Hello, everybody, and welcome again to another episode of Wednesday Night Live. My name is Ron Crawford, and I'm the pastor of the Father's Church in Dallas. And it is a privilege to be able to reach out to our Saints Network family on this beautiful Wednesday in the month of June. You know, when I first came to Texas back in 1980, um, I was really overwhelmed by what summers are like down here. Now, it's gotten much better because God has kept us out of drought and he has poured his blessing out in wonderful ways. But that first summer in 1980 was horrific and temperatures. I, I don't really remember how many we had well over 100 degrees. It was it was a lot of those temperatures. And as a youth pastor, when I was trying to build a youth group from the two kids that I had on the first night I came here, um, I had to be outside a lot, doing a lot of different activities. And being a Pennsylvania boy, I wasn't used to temperatures in the summer being constantly 30 degrees higher than what I was used to. And I, I told some of my friends from college that they haven't lived until they had a Wednesday night service in the, in the middle of the summer in Texas because, you know, you, you really rely on air conditioning. I don't really know what people did back in the day when there wasn't air conditioning or refrigerated air. I I know what we did in Pennsylvania. We had the windows open and fans blowing, those big industrial fans up at the front. And uh, I'm sure that there was a lot of that, but still, oh my goodness. But God is good. And it's toasty here, but it's not it's not bad. Um, we, we would welcome, you know, I'm sure that if uh, Pastor Teresa came, she would still want a couple of prayer cloths because it's it's going to be cooler than what she endures out in Arizona. If Pastor Pam came, we'd have to get a couple of ice buckets to put under the pew where she was sitting. But for us Texans, you know, we just kind of keep on going, and uh, the blessing of the Lord is with us. We we have uh, enjoyed the covering of the blood of Jesus. Our people are well and blessed and I trust that the same can be said of you. I have a word from the Lord today that we don't have a teaching sheet because I didn't feel uh, the need for one. Uh, we're going to be looking at Second Chronicles 7 and Second Chronicles 6, and we're going to talk about God's remedy for our land, but particularly uh, what we are to be doing in, in this unusual season. I just delivered earlier today a word to the Brazilian churches. We focused on Ecclesiastes chapter 11, where God speaks about not considering the sky and not bowing down to the wind and uh, sowing in the morning and casting your bread upon the waters in obedience to God. We are, we are remembering what God has said about this year. There are great breakthroughs that are happening. And we've endured as a nation and as a people 
a lot of restrictions in our travel, um, turmoil uh, in the cities and, and across the nations of the world. And, uh, but we hold on to what God has promised, and we're keeping our eyes firmly fixed on what we are to be doing for the kingdom. We're seeking first the kingdom and his righteousness, and uh, God is providing for us. Um, I think that that is a point of wisdom for us, and we cannot allow any other thing, whether it's our fears or whether it's the current culture or the opinions of uh, what's in the world, to take precedence over what God has given to us to do. You know, in the past couple of, well, the past week particularly, I had the privilege of speaking at length with Pastor Levester and um, had a couple of really wonderful long exchanges with Pastor Robert, my two brothers in the faith and the walk of the saints who happen to be African American. And, and I'm telling you that our saints nation, regardless of whether we're Latino or Caucasian or African American or Indian or um, nationalistic Africans or wherever you might be living, we're citizens of, of heaven. And we must not allow the culture to dictate what God is telling us to do. I remember what Jesus said, and this doesn't get a lot of play. I bet it's probably not underlined in, in your Bible. But what Jesus said in Luke chapter 7, uh, this verse, this ver these verses have come to me over and over again. Jesus said in verse 31, The Lord said, Whereunto then shall I liken the men of this generation? And to what are they like? They are like unto children in the marking marketplace, calling one to another, saying, We have piped unto you, and you have not danced. We have mourned to you, and you have not wept. John the Baptist came neither eating nor drinking wine, and you say he has a devil. The Son of Man comes eating and drinking, and you say, Behold, a gluttonous man and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. Wisdom is justified of all her children. Do you remember that that verse is in here? We cannot let the culture dictate when we dance, when we mourn. Yes, we should be good citizens, and yes, we should show love, and yes, we should indicate more by our actions than by our words the, the kindness and the love of our Father, which uh, must extend through us. But I remember when Jesus and Peter went to minister to someone who had died and they first put the professional mourners out of the room. I mean, there, we cannot be dictated by what society is saying, regardless of what cancel culture and virtue signaling would say. Our actions in love to one another demonstrate who we are much more than some knee-jerk reaction that would make the world think, okay, you're on board. We have a work to do in the kingdom, and I'm very grateful for, um, for all of the folks that are one together with Christ, with us. 
And um, regardless of the color of the skin or nationality, we have one goal, we have one Lord, we have one love, and we're following that together. And, you know, the message that God's giving us today is really what God's answer is for our nation. And it has to do with so many verses we could look at, but particularly in Solomon's, Solomon's accounts and words and actions in Second Chronicles chapter 7, this well-known verse, verse 14, if my people, and if is one of the biggest words in the Bible, called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and individually turn from their wicked ways, then I'm going to hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now mine eyes will be open and my ears attend unto the prayer that is made in this place. I have chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever and mine eyes and mine heart shall be there perpetually. What is he saying is the solution to the challenges that would come to the nation? He says we have to humble ourselves and we seek his face. We make sure that we're not engaging in wicked ways and we pray. Prayer is palal. And that is, as we've studied on so many occasions, that is linked throughout all of this, uh, all of this discussion at the uh, inception of the temple with supplication. Your perspective is to partner with God in Hanan, in, in grace, to see what God wants to do, to see what God is wanting to bring forth in the new horizon. And in conjunction, always in conjunction with that, we hear from God and we make those words our proclamation, our judgment. We declare them based upon intercession and based upon our identity in God. Not according to our thinking, not according to our protests, not according to us as a plaintiff somewhere, but us as a partner with God. God will illuminate our thinking as we've studied in extension in the New Testament with Deasis and Prosuke, and from there we make our declaration. That is what God says. He will hear, he will answer and he will bring healing. This is what we need. This is what we absolutely need. And it is what we should be. I remember many years ago, and some of you who are seasoned saints, you've been in this walk together with us for a long time. You remember that one of the predominant themes that came forth in this house and you know, we, we gained the definition of what grace truly is. It's not just a, a, an expression of compassion. It's not just 
doing a favor for somebody, even though what grace truly is will show more compassion than anything else and will be the great favor that will bring people into alignment with God. Grace is partnering with God in a new thing. And it is moving forward with him on behalf of what he wants to do. When we partner with God in that way, our mindsets will be saturated by the mind of God. We will hear from him and we will make that not only our directive, but our proclamation. And I'll always remember when Pastor Paul and Joy were here, he would talk about how the church was languishing in the gospel of grace and how they just stay there in grace and they don't preach the gospel of the kingdom. I always remember that. That was the basis for why they called their ministry the, the messengers of his kingdom because the gospel of the kingdom would be preached to all th- the whole world and then would come the end. And we need to know that it's about God's grace, not man's grace, not man's tokens of compassion. It's the kingdom grace that moves forward and upward into new horizons. That's what God said Solomon should be offering and the priests should be offering in that temple. It's over and over again. You know, we talk about the wisdom of Solomon, but as we've studied again in the past, in great detail, the the ongoing discussion between God and Solomon at the dedication of this temple was about grace and supplication and prayer, the palal, which is hearing from God, having the authority of his name, and making those kinds of directed prayer before the Lord. This is the solution God offers over and over again to what the people's identity should be and what would bring about healing for the land. In in 2 Chronicles chapter 6, it talks about warfare. When an army comes against the people, if the people will engage in Palau and in Hanan, then God will take up their cause or mishpat, what he, his judgment, what he wants to do. See, you're aligned with that. It's not you just think it's a good idea, so you want to be in accord with it. You've become one with him and one with that. You cannot separate the presence of God, the glory of God, and the application of the will of God. That's that's what we should do and what we should be. So what does our nation need right now? Oh, I'm believing that God is going to fulfill everything he promised for this year. I'm believing that all that God has brought before us prophetically concerning what this year of wisdom is doing, I believe that it's all happening. It's not happening in the way we envisioned. It's not happening thus far through the several international campaigns we've had to cancel because we simply could not, were not permitted to fly there. Um. But, but God is doing what he's going to do. 
Um, I'm believing that we're going to see tremendous advances in our nation and in uh, the kingdom and in the welcoming of the presence of God into the land. The enemy's trying every way he can to discourage or dissuade or distract and every other kind of words that begin with this. Uh, he's trying to disregard what God said and get you to disregard it. But we need to believe the report of the Lord. And we need to recognize that God always looks for an intercessor. How many times when we taught this did we say, when God wanted to bring salvation to the world, he didn't look for the wealthiest. He didn't look for the handsomest. He didn't look for the most intelligent. He didn't look for the person with the most political influence. He didn't look for the person who could best move a crowd or organize this or organize that. He looked for an intercessor, someone who would pagod his presence, someone who would lay on their face before God, someone who would hear from him and then call upon him on behalf of what he impressed in their spirit. This is God's way. No matter how you dice and slice it and make Julian fries of it, this is what God says is his solution. And this is still the answer for our nation today and for the world. So we're positioned perfectly to be a champion of the kingdom. We are to hear from God as we offer supplication. Supplication is that partnership prayer. It's, again, the only one of the spirits of God that is mentioned in the Bible that really includes grace and supplication, partnership with God, and um, hearing from Him to partner with him in declaration. This is very, a very key part of the person of God. And so when you are at his temple or in your prayer chamber, the way to bring healing is to humble yourself, to make a measure of identificational repentance to God. Of course, to listen and obey him but not to take matters into uh, the gospel of works um, or some kind of penance that, that is uh, more according to those piping or mourning that wonder why you're not dancing and joining them. This is, this is our premise, to know that we're partnering with God and from the secret place He hears and he listens, and his kingdom comes, and his will is done. So, this is what God has strongly impacted on my heart today. And as we've studied about this, written materials about it from the Scripture, not quoting 50 other authors that got truth from every other type of thing, but what the Bible says. God says that we, we should do this kind of prayer on behalf of our nation and on, a, on behalf of those who have 
rulership over us, that we might live a quiet and a peaceable existence, accomplishing what God wants. Yeah, there's a lot of problems in this world. There's a lot of them. And it's kind of like bailing water out of a boat with a thimble. You can wear yourself out doing that, and you may make some minimal impact, and people might really look at you and applaud you because you really worked up a lather with your thimble. But God is looking for something else. He sees you in the secret place. He, he hears you when you call upon him and you offer supplication and palal before his throne. And this is what God looks to. This is how God brings victory. This is how he brings uh, deliverance. It, God has not changed his mind. He still looks for an intercessor. And he still looks for people who are willing to follow him and willing to do what he says as an intercessor. Now, yes, I believe in accordance with Ecclesiastes chapter 11 that we also need to recognize that we're in a new day. And, um, you know, in, in that passage, it's the casting bread upon the waters and it'll return. It says that you give seven and then also in eight. And we've talked about what that means. We fulfill, we're fulfilling the ways of God, but we're also sowing into the eighth day, into the future. We're not regarding the wind and the clouds. We're sowing anyway in the morning. Um, this is the morning of the new day. Yeah, there's a lot of wind. A lot of it's coming from politicians. <laughs> there's a lot of wind in, in, this, in this world. We must not regard that. We must keep our eyes on our great intercessor, or else we'll sink in the waves just as Peter did. We must keep going forward. And obeying what he says to do. What he says to do. Not what everybody else says to do. What he says to do. We've got to sow our seed in the morning. Because what's coming in the, in, in the beginning of this time frame. The morning of this new day. What's coming, we're going to have to work with our hands. That's what that scripture continues to say. Apply your hand and strength through the rest of the day. We've got to keep moving forward in God. You know, over and over again, you see that people who are really listening to God will do things in private, in obedience to God, that opens up miracles for them. I, I know that when the prophet was commanded by God during the time of drought to seek out a specific widow who would sustain. And he came and she had only a handful of grain in her hand. And she was indicating that she was going to make a little cake for her and her son. And then they were going to die. 
God commanded her to do a, a prophetic act, and it cost her something in that moment when the wind and the, and the uh, clouds were all around. But God unlocked a miracle for her. Um, you know, Scripture is replete with those kinds of examples, and most of them involve people doing things that nobody else sees. It's not about public opinion. It's not about trying to signal who you are. You know, for me, our network knows who I am. My brothers and sisters of many different nationalities and colors, I've labored with them. I've laughed with them. I've feasted with them. I've welcomed them into our home and treated them as equals and preferred them. So that kind of action speaks much louder than any placating word I could say. We, but we've got to be willing to hear God and to sow in this season. We're doing that in a number of ways. We're stretching out here and extending ourselves uh, into many different nations in new ways. So many things in the, on the burner right now uh, at a time when we could just be sitting and waiting it out or doing what's convenient to make us look good in the city. I, I know that God's ways are beyond man's ways. I've quoted this before, but I always remember what Warren Buffett said about how he learned to invest. And he said, when everybody is fearful and they've closed, I'm paraphrasing, and they've closed their purse strings, that's the time to really invest. And when everybody is having a grand old time and They've got money flowing everywhere. That's the time to sit and to watch. And we need to be very careful in these unique days to remember what God has said <clears throat> and what God is continuing to say. That is our prosuke. That is our hearing and interpreting. That is our palal where we glean not what the world's saying, not what our mind is saying, not what our emotions, not what our fears, not by our peers, but what the Lord would say. And through that, then, we make our cry unto God. We declare the way of the Lord. That's the key to victory. That's the key to the healing of our nation. So I believe that we as saints have a lot of wonderful things that are surrounding us at this very moment. We have our identity in God that is unwavering. We have what he has prophetically taught us in the scripture for this season and what he has spoken. That's the report we believe. None of us saw the pandemic having its impact, and none of us saw what's happening culturally in our nation right now. But we do know what God has said, and he's not changed his mind. He's not called an audible at the, land, at the, at the line. We must continue to pray and hear what God would say for us to be declaring before him. Yes, there are times we're praying for our leadership. We're not damning America. 
We are not damning our president. We're not damning our vice president. We're not damning anybody in authority. That is insurrection behavior, and that's in the enemy's playbook. You better back off on that, even if you think you have every right in the world to be doing it. You have no right when you're a bondservant of Christ. The only right you have is the righteousness of God to obey him and to serve him. And we, we have to double, double our efforts as intercessors. Remember what God has said. Remember our identity and hear him from that perspective, knowing that he's going to work all things to the good. The enemy has come in one way. He's coming in in ways that um, are intended to stop the sevenfold ways of God. This is a tactic of the enemy. We see it over and over again. It's a tactic of unclean spirits trying to block the momentum of what God has said and what he's going to do. We see it repeatedly in the scripture. And so when we see the enemy come, the first thing is we don't act like chicken little. The world is falling. We recognize that this is what God said would most likely happen. We're not welcoming it. We're not. I remember there was a guy here who eventually left. He tried every way he could to get me evicted as pastor, and I bless him. But anytime we would prophesy a warning from God, he would say, see, this is what you're declaring. You're, you're making this happen. And it was, it was things that he was doing. Uh, he would stumble into them, and then he'd blame us for them. And we were giving warnings from God. It's just funny how the enemy twists things. But we are, we are to be a people who are understanding of the times, and we're to be a people who recognize that when the enemy comes in, there is a, a like a flood moment where God's going to raise up a standard. When the enemy comes in, he's going to have to flee in seven ways. When the enemy comes in, the transformation and the transfiguration of the Lord is going to continue. It will not succeed. We need to be wise and recognize that this is a tactic of the enemy. Another thing is that very often you can see part of what the blessing is going to be from the way the enemy attacks. And, um, for instance, just look around you right now. Sickness and disease. I believe that God is showing us and refining us how to trust in the covering of the blood of Jesus and to also see the healing power of God flow restrictions in going to the nations, I believe that we are going to see some of the greatest outreaches into the nations and into this nation than we've ever seen. Fear and lack, the threat of it, we're going to see the agape of the Lord and the outpouring of the financial provision and blessing 
that is above and beyond anything we could ask or think. What about this current scenario with racial relations? Well, we know very well from what God has said and what we're already seeing that a large, a significant portion of the army of the saints is coming from the African-American church. And I am fully persuaded for that to be and anxious for it to be. I want this. And we've done everything we could to try to um, to sow into that. Um, I believe that there's a healing coming to this nation. And there is a, a, a restoration in a, and a there's a lot of words you could use, um, but but a healing, which God promised, I'll heal. But where is it coming from? Intercession, godly driven, intercession. There's a lot of people who are in the world who want a Trojan horse this thing and turn it for their own devices, whatever that might be. But we're believing God for the healing and the, the restoration and the blessing upon our brothers and sisters and and for everyone, every person of color in our nation. These are ways you look at the violence in our cities and desecrating uh, monuments. I'm believing for the ancient wells to be open and for the cities to receive the violent who take the kingdom by force in kingdom literature kingdom demonstration there's so many things that whatever you see is happening you can see how god wants to turn it to the good and in essence it's the enemy trying to bring about things in a way that is designed to keep what god has said from happening so those that are wise will look at what the enemy's doing recognize that there's a sevenfold blessing coming and a sevenfold fleeing coming. And if you look real closely, you can begin to declare the antithesis of what the enemy's doing. You can turn what's evil to the good. You can turn that which is intended for, for maliciousness into blessing. And it comes through you calling unto the Lord, the voice of one crying in the wilderness prepare the way of the lord that he can come and that the righteous nation might enter in yeah i know that just from not from things that i see in the natural but from things that i feel in the spirit there are so many ways that the enemy has marshaled his forces trying to prepare his own way for his own lordship which the eschatological scriptures foretell. You see it everywhere. You see the Antichrist spirit. You see um, those malicious aspects of the prince of the power of the air and the god of this world. You see Lucifer positioning himself. You see the beast. You see the Antichrist. You see the false prophets. And you can feel the efficacy that they wage. But Here's, here's a news flash. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. No height, nor depth, nor principalities, or powers, or anything 
can keep you from the love of God, can separate you from that agape partnership with God. I, I, I recognize that the saints are the front line, the integral warriors for the time of the end. It's plainly foretold in Daniel and in Revelation and in other scriptures. Um, the, uh, the wonderful passages about Elijah coming and tens of thousands of saints. This is what we need to know is true. And we cannot, at the first sign of challenge, sing from the woe is me hymnal or take matters in our own hands and strike out. Peter tried to do that when he slid off the, the, the ear of the servant of Malchus and in the Garden of Gethsemane. And we, we got to be careful, but we also have to be careful that we don't join in with things that we don't have any business being involved in. We must be the intercessors that God has ordained which are necessary to heal this land. I, um, I know that, that God put this thought upon my heart early this morning. And um, I knew that this was more of an exhortation for my church family and for the extended family of the saints, a rhema, as it were, and more than anything else, there's a lot of things you can put your hand to right now. And they may have some measure of effect. But we must be the intercessors that God has called us to be. Because that is how he will hear from heaven. And how he will heal the land. And how he will restore his presence his Manuka presence to the pathway of this nation. This is the word from God for us. And so I purposely am concluding early today because I want you, I want to invite you to spend the next many minutes in intercession, praying in the Spirit, praying in that grace gift of diversities of tongues that God gave us, which should be functional in every church. Don't abandon that gifting. Don't put it aside as if it's, um, as if it's um, <clears throat> now gauche in some way. God gave you that for the reason that he did, and it, it is ever so important now. It is so much a necessity in welcoming what God is wanting to do. So I'm encouraging you to pray and then listen to God. Make your declaration. Do what he would ask you to do in the way of sowing in the morning. And be careful not to consider the wind or the clouds. Be careful not to think your solution is being a professional mourner or uh, dancing to whatever's being piped. There's a new tune every week. Your 
root and your calling is as an intercessor. Love one another. Show his love wherever you go. Obey what God says to do. And this is an easy thing to do, and I am going to end so you can pray. But as I've been going out in the city, and for me, this sequestering thing really hasn't happened. I use wisdom, but every day I'm out somewhere. I come here every day to the church, and um, I go to the stores, and I see people, and I talk to people, and almost every day, God directs me to at least one person who I can speak kindness and love to and, and comfort to. A lot of times, these are African-American folks, and we just have the most wonderful conversations. I had a conversation with a girl at the checkout counters. I can't judge ages, and I sure shouldn't try to judge the age of a, of a woman, but she was probably in her early 20s. And we started talking to one another, African-American girl, about the blessing of the Lord. And she started, when I was talking, she was smiling, and she declared a blessing over me, and I declared a blessing over her. And um, she had, it was Whole Foods, she had those really clear rubber gloves like you see in a medical facility. And I reached out and took her hand, which was fine because she, she had that glove on, and I say, I, I speak blessing over you. And she was so happy, and I was too. Anytime I have the opportunity to give, I give. If I'm checking out at the store and it says, would you like to contribute to a food bank or whatever, I give to that. And they always look and say, oh, thank you. We're not getting much giving recently. I'm not telling you this to say, oh, how great pastor is. That's not my motive. I'm saying you need to be sowing. And you do it one-on-one. -on -one. Jesus didn't go into the city with his disciples. He met the woman at the well all alone. In that whole city, she was looked down on. She was coming to that well because everybody with, with, uh, everybody with the pedigree wouldn't have anything to do with her. That's where Jesus talked. That's where Jesus sowed proscuneo. People came to him in the nighttime hour. We would see Jesus. That's where it is. Um, he wasn't dancing to the piping. He wasn't with the professional mourners. You're going to make a bigger impact one-on-one. -on -one. Jesus went, bypassed the crowds at the, uh, at the pool of Bethesda and went to one man and talked to him. And the power of the Lord moved. And then the guy was brought into question and... Um, they were ridiculing him because he had allowed Jesus to heal him. And Jesus wasn't anywhere around then. Do you ever look at these passages? Or are they just in the Bible? Then you just tote it around with you. You can be an influence for the light of the Lord most potently on your face in intercession. And then understanding the rhema moments God gives you in contact with people. Sow his love. Share his light. But that's the way God moves. In the secret place, God hears from you. You shut yourself into that closet and you, you pray. God sees you there. He's watching you everywhere. But that's where you make your impact. Don't ever forget that. And I know 
These are uncertain moments in the world, but they're not uncertain for us. We believe the true report. Every promise of God is yea, and it will be amen, because it is alive at the right hand of the throne. So now I am finishing, because I want you to invest this last quarter of the program in some way in intercession and rekindle yourself in that fire of the Lord, reconstitute yourself as an intercessor before God. And remember, this is God's way. It's not Ron's way. It has become my way, but it's God's way. That's the most important thing. Heavenly Father, I continue to declare the blood of Jesus over every one of these saints. Protect them, keep them, provide for them, lead them and use them. Remind them of who they are in you and of who you are in them. And let us be your saints in this most desperately needed hour. What a privilege to live in this moment. And now, Father, as your people pray, I invite you to envelop them in your presence. And I thank you for this, Father, for we ask it all with much thanksgiving in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you all. Thanks for joining, and let's go to prayer. Goodbye.